here and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode 54, where today I'm joined by Rebecca Rokon, who is the co-founder and CEO of Pivot and Pilot Creative. Launched in 2015, Rebecca and co-founder Alejandro, and along with the rest of the team at Pivot and Pilot, are a bunch of visual communicators and strategists that use a blend of design, animation, and illustration to create engaging and unique brand experiences. Their primary focus is on helping brands in the food, fashion, beauty, and wellness industries stand out and capitalize on their first impression. On this week's episode, Rebecca and I have a great chat about packaging design, brand identity and strategy, knowing your market and the fundamentals that need to be baked into a successful product launch and marketing campaign. We dig into budget, trends that come and go, and how iconic and established brands manage to evolve their aesthetic to stay relevant without diminishing their roots. Definitely scroll down into the show notes and check out their YouTube channel for some great content on everything that we chatted about during today's episode. The channel is perfect for people just like you who are looking to expand in this space. But before we do get started, just a quick mention of our show sponsor, Foodpack. Now, today's conversation on packaging design is obviously very well aligned with everything that we do at Foodpack, as we specialize in custom printed projects and love nothing more than getting the right package into your hands and into the hands of your consumer. Working with my clients on their printed projects is my favorite part of what I do at Foodpack. Starting with the initial consultation conversation right through to the delivery of your pouch, there is a program that we can build specific to your business and product needs. If you'd like to learn more about our digital and roto programs, definitely get in touch with me at hayden at foodpack.ca or on my cell, which is 604-360-6790. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, really looking forward to having a conversation with you today for multiple reasons. Um, Bruce Wallinger introduced the two of us, which was great. So shout out to Bruce for the intro. Yeah, everyone check out his podcast too, the episode or the episode on Hayden's podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I was so excited when you're like, I have this packaging specific podcast and you've been so consistent with it. I was just super impressed and I, yeah, I'm super excited to be on. I just, I've been also, we've also been trying to launch our YouTube channel. So I completely understand the, the hustle. I know it is a hustle, isn't it? Yeah. You're episode 54, obviously. So just um, break, broke through the uh, one year mark, which was awesome. So I'm proud of that. But yeah, I, um, when you, when you and I got on the phone and introduced each other and had a good chat for 15 minutes and you told me about your YouTube channels, I uh, both went to the pivot and pilot um, YouTube channel and had a look at that. And that's awesome. And also, yeah, went and checked out the one night stand up channel as well that you're doing with Alfie and it's hilarious. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah I'm a, I, I love comedy and that's kind of my passion on the side. And yeah. it actually works out sometimes where our clients will want something that's funny or witty yeah. and they have a little bit of a unique brand for that. So um, they come to us for that specifically sometimes, which is really fun. <laughs> that is cool. Yeah, isn't it? And you're based down in Austin. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess the secret news is that Pivot and Pilot will be expanding to Austin in January, and I'm just starting to lay the roots here, um, getting started. And uh, yeah, we're really excited about that. A new U.S. branch. As long, uh, we're keeping the Vancouver one, of course. But yeah, yeah. It's a it's a nice new chapter for us. Were you born and raised in Vancouver? I was born and raised in Ontario, actually. Right, right. Where in Ontario? Uh, King City. And King City. So that's near Newmarket. Um, I guess where like Avril Lavigne was. Right, right. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Claims of fame, yeah. And then went to Emily Carr. So I went to Vancouver for university and studied right. animation there, oh, which cool. has been quite a great skill these days <laughs> so yeah no doubt fun. not that I do it in my day-to-day -day, but we sent we certainly use a lot of animation in our work so yeah yeah and have you always been a pretty creative person like it's always been something in your DNA even as a little girl like drawing and stuff like that yeah I definitely always and I you know what I I really think I I love painting I love drawing mm. I have learned over time though that I'm much more of an ideas person and I love working with creative specifically mm. and so I think that's really what drew me to um creating pivot and pilot in this and and uh being in this position because I I don't actually execute the work that we do like my business partner co-founder Alejandro Quinteros who is an extremely creative talented person he is really responsible for all the design. He's our creative director. Yeah. And he is a very, very skilled, precise perfectionist. And um, and then I handle more of the business side of things, making sure everything's running on track and um, and business development and that kind of thing. So it's uh, it, I came from a creative background and I was mm. always kind of praised for having like good ideas or being able to work with others well. Mm. And uh, yeah, I... I but I, but I definitely, the creative world is something that's inside of every one of our team mm -hmm. members and mm -hmm. we're all creative on the side as well. Like everyone has something that, um, that beyond just our work day to day that is where they're involved in something creative for sure. We're creative cool. crew. <laughs> yeah. Where did the two of you meet? We met at Emily Carr. Our, my right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I met at, at Emily Carr. So I was in animation and he yep. was in design. Yeah. And so the two of those have were already starting to cross over quite a bit. But now, wow, have they ever. Um, mm. And both and we both started to learn from each other. Mm. We started to collaborate on a couple uh, small projects and he got a government project one time and we worked on that together. And uh, and yeah, just I just was like, hey, this is this is great. And we actually ended up deciding to leave our current jobs. I was mm -hmm. working at Atomic Cartoons and he was working as a storyboard artist. So right. again, ideas and, mm -hmm. and sketching rather than precise execution. And then yep. he was working at a design agency startup and and we decided let's take the leap and, and make our own. And uh, we built it from there. Now we're a team of seven and it's great. It's been and you're growing, six yeah. years or seven, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> so you launched in yeah. May 2015, I see. Yeah. Uh, so obviously the two of you have got great chemistry and you sort of realized that you both complemented yeah. each other really well. And I can imagine that, you know, going into a business or starting a business and knowing that you're doing it with the business partner is obviously a really exciting thing. But I can imagine there would have or could have been some sort of like fear of, oh no, people talk about about going into partnership with people and it's just like a marriage and are yes, we right for each other and you know yeah obviously um you guys had the benefit of working together in the past so you sort of had some confidence in you know your, both of your too. capabilities and friendship yeah that's awesome that you found each other yeah no and and I, it's such a great compliment we we really are compliment to each other like he is so 
precise perfectionist, yeah. um, creative, visual, mm-hmm. skilled, um, and then I'm much more big picture. Um, this needs to be finished at some yeah. point. It can't be perfect, you know. Like we we have a very good push push and pull dynamic, and yeah. um, and and yeah, we just kind <clears throat> of have our two sides of what we like our two lanes, and of course we cross reference each other all the time, but we mm. have really defined each other's roles and what we're responsible for mm. and it's it worked really well but yeah we were, we were friends first and that set the foundation of course um but uh you know it is a marriage it's like a marriage yeah and, it is and, and it's all about clear communication yeah. a balance of work time together and fun mm-hmm. time together mm-hmm. um yeah work mode or not work mode and, mm-hmm. and uh and and pushing each other to to achieve what what we dream of right so yeah. i think it, but it's it, the positive, the, the challenges are there for sure, but the positives, wow, um, to be yeah. able to share this journey with somebody and, mm. you know, when you feel like you suck, you call them and they say, you don't suck, it's just hard, you, you know, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, you yeah. know, you can kind of really, you can really build something um, really beautiful with another person, another perspective. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been great. That's awesome. And obviously with you heading down to the States, he's going to be um, looking after everything up here in Canada and knowing that you've got somebody and or both of you have got somebody that's, you know, out, you know, growing the business, but knowing that they're doing it in the, in the same way, both with the same vision, it must be an awesome feeling as well. Yeah. And we're totally remote. So, you know, it doesn't yeah. change things too much. Um, but certainly he will be um, more involved in like the out, uh, all the events and, mm. and speaking events and things like that in, in Vancouver. And I'll be in Austin for sure for business development and stuff like that. But yeah. our team is very connected online and we have a team, team members from Quebec, from Toronto, mm-hmm. from Vancouver, and that's all kind of new from the pandemic. We were in a traditional office before that, mm. um, but now we're now we're working uh, completely remote, and so it doesn't change the dynamic too much. But it's mm. certainly, yeah, he will be handling the, the Vancouver, and I'll be handling Austin. And we'll have to make some time to connect and yeah. <laughs> see each other too. Yeah, we already miss each other quite a bit, but yeah. We do see each other every day. It's crazy, but That's we awesome. would hang out a lot. <laughs> yeah, Friday afternoon cocktails are going to be over Zoom now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so when you both decided that, you know, uh, going out on your own and taking a chance on your own capabilities to start your own business was something that you both wanted to invest your time and, you know, resources into, mm-hmm. you were, you know, obviously design agencies aren't anything new. There's a lot out there, right? There's a lot mm. of choice. Did you sort of identify a, a gap in the market that you could potentially fill? Absolutely. And so I think we're really unique. Um, we, it, it's true that there are a lot of marketing agencies and, you know, we do focus on like our, our slogan is we create epic iconic brands and epic packaging. Mm. Um, and so we do really hone in on those two services. So that is one kind of practical differentiator mm. is that, you know, we do specialize in packaging and that not only encompasses the, of course, the look and feel of the design mm-hmm. of the packaging, but also Ensuring it's compliant, ensuring it's um, that the actual manufacturing is in order or that it's compliant as well mm-hmm. um, with with regulations, and then also um, manageable for our clients for shipping and for um, retail environments. And mm-hmm. so uh, we help we help with that. That's like one thing that really is a more practical differentiator, mm-hmm. I would say, because not many companies will take on the compliancy aspect as yeah. well as the design. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we did see that gap. We saw that gap and we saw, we wanted to make sure that our clients, uh, yeah, our clients were just so thrilled when we started to offer all of it. They were mm-hmm. like, this is amazing. I need to tell everyone I know. So that we were like, okay, there's obviously a need here. And that's how you should always approach your yeah. business, right? Yeah, yeah. Gap. 
Um, but that, but aside from that, there's been a really big cultural shift um, that we've noticed as soon as we graduated and um, and amplified by the pandemic. And that, you know, we've really developed Pivot and Pilot as a counter to the traditional big agency. And so um, there's nothing wrong with the big agencies out there, but we've noticed, you know, a rise of of course CPG brands along mm -hmm. with DIY culture, as I would call it. So DIY websites, DIY logos, you know, build your following and mm. launch. Um, big guys, big players that are doing this are people like Kylie Jenner, of course, yeah. who is saying, you know, I'm not going to, why do I need to work through anyone or with any brand? I should launch my own product. I have mm -hmm. the following. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big league one, but it wasn't just the big guys. Um, there's like one or two person name startups that we're seeing popping up everywhere. Mm. Um, and the pandemic fueled this even more, like I said. And so just like podcasts, right? We were kind of joking about this on the phone, yeah. you and I. Yeah. <laughs> like Just like podcasts, everyone and their mom is launching a product mm -hmm. right now. The barrier and, to entry um, is so low, yeah. Yeah, the barrier, it's, it's, it's creating a brand has become more accessible than ever. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that's continuing. Mm. And so we have niched and built our services around this. And uh, we use the same uh, tools, of course, as, so we're using Shopify, right? Just like they're using it. Yeah. We're using Canva. We're not saying like the big agencies are saying where in the past, it was a bit more of a gatekeeper situation mm -hmm. where it's like only three people know how to build a website. Yeah. We have to use this guy, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the case anymore. And that's not our angle. So you notice we have our YouTube channel, all of that stuff. We're really focused on educating and we want to do the heavy lifting for people. Like realistically, our clients, you know, they're so busy making their product great and they should focus on that. So the mm. goal is that they're focusing on making a great product because no amount of marketing is going to sell it again. We can yeah. maybe sell it once, get someone to buy it once if it has great shiny package on it, right? Yeah. But yeah. if the product sucks and it's not interesting and it's not solving a gap or a need, then it's going to flop. And so our clients need to focus on that. There's a lot to do when you're yeah. building a business. And so they need to focus on that. And then we need to focus on getting their marketing off the ground. And mm -hmm. um, that's the, the fundamental pieces are what we take care of. So the brand, the website, the packaging, ad campaigns, photo, video um, mm -hmm. launch. And we get that up and running in like uh, four to six months. We launch our product, the client's product. And that's because we take on a few clients, right? We're hyper niche. We're really focused. And when we get that client, we help them launch in that short amount of time because and while they handle everything else, right? So our clients are maybe, they're coming home after a long day of, trying to figure out manufacturing um, and they're on their third review of their product mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and they come home and they order pizza for dinner. They don't want to scream at a computer for three hours. Yeah. And even though Shopify is labeled as DIY, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, not, it's still it's not complex. really like I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. build my own website. I'd want my developers to. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like, you can either, scream at a computer for three hours because a button won't move from here to here mm -hmm. right yeah or you can make food with your family and we take care of it right so like yeah. that's something for sure that's like a practical thing but also it'll be better of course yeah. we've done it so many times and we help it launch like diy is great but there's yeah. also so many options yeah so like people just start to think oh okay i guess like i'm gonna uh add you know the afterpay i'm gonna add uh, pop up here. Yeah. I'm going to make the pop up say this discount or whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then people just get so lost in the clutter. Mm. And it's like, we really need to focus on, like, hey, what's your strategy? <coughs> what's the long term vision for your brand here? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, so this really came out, Pivot and Pilot really came out of that unique need that we're seeing now. And this mm. lean startup, these one to two people um, brands, we've never been interested in, you know, working with Nike, maybe we will yep. one day, but like, it's, it's, it's really the joy of like giving these entrepreneurs the confidence. Mm. Um, that's what, that's what a great brand does is at the end of the day, it's bringing them confidence. It's saying, Google me, look at my website. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. so proud of my brand. And, and that's what it takes to sell things these days. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and focus on the focus on making a great product and yep. we're just going to pull out your vision and we're going to make it really easy to understand accessible and give you some advice as well. So, um, and make it happen. Awesome. Yeah. So the, the premise of today's episode is the art of the launch which, you know, you and I were on the phone and you were really discussing how that is what you specialize in. So I'm like, all right, we've got to talk about this then. So yeah. the Instagrammable packaging, iconic branding and how to get your brand visibility online. So when we're talking about the fundamentals of what a successful launch looks like, like what are the key ingredients that need to be baked into, you know, the success of the launch? Where do you start? And I guess you could start right back with that first meeting with a client when they come on and they're like, hey, I've got a product. It's only me or it's only me and my business partner like you suggested, we work in a commissary kitchen, we're focused on production, putting the product in a pouch, but we really need your help to get the product and marketed and out into the world so people can see it. Where do you start? How does the conversation go? Yeah, and uh, uh, that's a great question. And it's something that I think a lot of people is on a lot of people's minds. Mm -hmm. um, where you start is the actual product itself, of course, um, like the, that's the fundamental piece is that the actual product itself needs to be, again, solving a gap, filling a need, unique, it needs to be interesting, and it needs to be something that we really believe in as well. So the yeah. first kind of conversation is, what's your plan? What's your vision? How hard are you going to work to get there? Yeah. Um, and, and that's really the first step, of course. And then in terms of practical fundamentals, that is what we specialize in. And I, and I would say that you need to have something like a website. You need brand. You need a, mm -hmm. a strategic brand. You need to know what is the lifestyle behind my brand because it is more than a product. So you need to sell, you need to solve or fill a gap and build a lifestyle that is interesting and unique around your brand. And so that's the branding piece. Then you need to implement the, that visual system into your website and make your website really great for your exact product and make sure that it's easy to load, that it's fast, that your, um, like the, the, the website needs to feel so trustworthy because mm. people are putting their credit card information yeah. into this website. So you need a solid website. It is like a storefront. Mm. Um, and every retail partner you're looking at is going to look at it as well. Uh, and then another fundamental piece is great photography. So photography is, a, is, is very essential videography is becoming more of a given as well. And so having photo and video and an ad campaign to launch it to get more visibility on your product. So of course, photography and videography for your website for people that land on it. Yeah. But also when you're launching, at the very minimum, we would say to do something like, or not the minimum, we're talking about ideal right now. Sorry yeah. about that. Ideally for a really awesome launch, you want to have that all those systems in place. You want to mm -hmm. have awesome social media. You want to have uh, you want to have ads running so that people who aren't aware of your product are going to be shown this product if they're in um, if they're in their, your target audience that you're targeting. Mm -hmm. And then you also want to ensure that you're going for things like PR, 
it's not dead. That's something that's that's changing rapidly. And PR does encompass things like influencer marketing. Yeah. Like another way to get in front of people and get that kind of referral or endorsement from somebody that has a following or has trust if you're not that person yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we definitely um, love working with influencers or people who have a following and that's so key. But if you're starting from zero, then um, you need to get visibility through ads and you need to pay to play essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and aside from PR and influencer marketing, some boots on the ground work as well, getting in some of those retail partners and retail can really fuel your online sales as well because a lot of people find your product in the grocery aisle, for example, if it's food mm. um, or in Sephora, if it's a makeup brand. Um, and then, you know, you get those online orders after from the loyal fans. So yeah, the, the, those are the fundamental pieces that I'd say go into a successful launch. Um, awesome. It sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it is. Yeah. It is. It's a lot now. It's not just offline. It's online. Yeah. There's not just one product that you're competing against. There's 80 yeah. and, uh, and everyone's fighting for the slices of attention that we have. And the pandemic really did fuel that focus to online, which is probably why that's the topic we're talking about today. Yeah, no, totally. And we've noticed it here at Foodpack as well. Like the pandemic has sped a lot up and it's made the, you know, the CPG world so accessible to so many people, you know, you can get in and you can get a product online so easily now, and you can keep your overheads really low, whether you're working in a commissary kitchen, whether you've got your own, you know, small little Shopify site, whether you're getting a small run of packaging at a thousand pieces MOQ just to get the ball rolling through us. And, um, you know, you may be paying a little bit more per piece because you are buying at MOQ, but you're getting your product out into the world in a really professional manner. You know, it looks Mm. clean, it looks consistent and, um, you know, it's not just all thrown together anymore. So, you know, I can imagine that, you know, for an entrepreneur or a startup out there, you know, they're running on a, a shoestring budget right now and they're trying to allocate their funds in the most precise way to get the most value out of their dollar right now you know so they're buying the best quality ingredients that they can and they might not be able to get it at you know um, get their large volume breaks right now because they're not producing a lot and obviously when you're buying ingredients at scale that's when your cost can you know drop and you can save some money in your cogs I can imagine that you know like you were suggesting before social media and all of these campaigns it can seem so accessible to you right now and especially with TikTok where you can get really good organic reach right now Mm. however there's so much value in working with an agency like you, but yeah. how, where does it, where do you start when you talk about budget? Like what is a realistic sort of expectation on in terms of spend? Because are we yeah. talking, you know, thousands of dollars here? Are we talking hundreds of dollars? Like where do you start? Because I can imagine you would potentially have different tiers, you know, that you can grow people through as the business grows as well. So, you know, can this be done on a shoestring? Yeah. Um, and some of our clients, so we have kind of two sets of clients. We have clients that um, want to, again, the focus is on the product itself and they go, yep. okay, I want to, oh f- yeah. First off any, uh, most of our clients are one or two people startups. Some yeah. of them are, you know, partners that are six or 10, but these are, these guys look like they are, you know, a hundred people yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can achieve that whatever you want to be seen as, I actually say whatever you want to be seen as in five years, you can actually look like that today if mm. you if you make it happen. And so that's something that we really want to, um, that, that's something that we want to get across people is that mm-hmm. launching does take an investment. Um, and all of our clients are working with fairly lean budgets because again, one to two people startups, um, but with some, with 
in order to get up and running faster, which is then when you start to be able to make money, we really want to make sure that and, and, and be able to improve on your product and get more feedback, mm. that the better, right? And so some of our clients will launch on their own, right? And yep. they'll and they'll see if there's a need, they'll go to farmers markets. Yeah. They'll go um, to promotional events, they'll maybe go to things like um, there's like Van City Business Babes here or EOA, um, and they'll show up to these types of uh, networking events and, and sponsor them and things like that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of boots on the ground stuff can be accomplished at first um, by just having a great product and being a really great personality and getting out there and meeting people and getting them to to try it. Um, there's a, so some of our clients start that way. Once they see that there's teeth here, they go and they come to us and say, we need to level up. Mm -hmm. Things are happening for us. Mm -hmm. This is going to be big. Some clients are like my, my idea. I have such a focus uh, there. This is, this is my idea and I'm ready to go. And they're ready to go from the start mm. and they want to launch right. And they want to do it once because there is value to doing that the first time the correct way, because then people are getting that first impression from your yeah. brand as the one that they have, whereas a rebrand, for example, you have to kind of be careful about shifting, but not losing your current clients, right? So that's yeah. a delicate balance that we work with them on and a challenge for them. But yeah, um, with the in terms of an investment, like definitely, uh, yeah, it's thousands of dollars for sure. But it's important to have that investment and get it done properly if you're mm. if you're wanting to level up or if you're just wanting to start like and and launch and pop off right away. Mm. Um, however, I would say focus on the foundation first. Yeah. So, yeah. what are the fundamentals that you need to even have a business? You need a store, so you need the website, right? You need a brand, of course. You need to know what what's going on, what strategy, what look and feel is going to be. Yeah. You need yeah. that to be consistent across everything. And then, of course, you need photos and videos of the product, and ideally of the lifestyle of behind the product and the um, and and how it, to show how it's being used. Mm. Uh, and then I would say that you know focus on that foundation first, and if you have that in place, you can go and do things like go show up to retail environments, sign those deals, show them your website, show them your pitch deck, mm. um, boots on the ground kind of stuff. If you're on a shoestring string budget, that's what you should be focusing on. And then start to layer in things like ads, right? Mm -hmm. Start to layer in things like PR and influencer collaborations and things like that mm -hmm. as you want to like keep the ball rolling. But do invest in that fundamental piece so that you do get to start really. Um, yeah. And then you can start doing fun things where you're trying different types of ways of getting in front of people, doing TikTok, all that stuff, mm. is, is, or even just building on your social media. If you are if you are motivated to do that then you um and you should be that's a fundamental piece of of business nowadays then you can start to layer that into after as well but you need to have something you need to have something to get people to make the purchase you need to have the physical product packaged nicely and you need to have it in something that people trust yeah and then you need the brand because you need to have any kind of visual system to put on those pieces so yeah Mm -hmm. Awesome. So as you've got a campaign running and you suggested before that, you know, it could be a two or a three or a four month campaign, you know, to launch while you're actually in the process of launching, like you've hit the execute button, you're getting real time feedback, you're seeing the analytics come in. Do you have the capacity and the ability to, you know, shift the campaign on the fly to sort of see more success or do you sort of let it run its course? How does that work? 
So we, but I mean by launch is that someone comes to us as a product and nothing yeah. else. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So we're like launching their website. Let's got yeah, I got you, got yeah. Months, right? Yeah, for the yeah. Ca- we have to get their packaging and everything. But yeah. for the, but like you're saying for the campaigns. Yeah, the campaigns. Um, I would say most of our clients do about four a year just because it's what they can handle, mm-hmm. and it does make sense to have only like two promotions or. Depend, actually, it totally depends on your brand. Yeah. If your brand is Chanel, you'll never go on sale or have a promotion. You'll just be promoting new product, yeah. for example. Yeah. And maybe you'll do one or two launches a year or seasons mm-hmm. a year. Um, but if you have a product like Claire's, for example, they're always on sale or something like that. Yeah. Or food products often will have sales. Bundle discounts, things like that. And so in that way, like you can tie your um, your campaigns or your or your... Yeah, your ad campaigns to mm-hmm. that type of that type of structure. So you, I say, switching up your camp, like switching up to have about four pushes a year, like mm-hmm. one quarter, is is probably a good start. Um, but you could even just start with two um, and start to layer it, and it's whatever you can really um, focus on. You want them to be yeah. focused efforts where you're like seeing results from it. So typically, four would be ideal for our our typical client but if it was something like Claire's or something like that where it's constant sales yeah. then of course maybe it would be like one a month or something like that but so far our clients can really only handle like four I can imagine. And they're probably tying it to like important dates that are relevant to their consumers mm-hmm. and their product. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Like when our our one uh like our client that is more focused on uh it's like it's it's Indian food delivery mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. uh it's made like it's meant to feel, feel like mom's cooking. So Mother's Day is huge for them. And they mm. just make the, they capitalize on that. Everyone's going for Christmas, right? Yep. So we try to avoid Christmas with our clients. Like everyone's doing it. You can get um, lost in the mix. Yeah. But some people have a lot of success with Black Friday and things mm. like that. So mm-hmm. it just depends. But p- being strategic about and picking and sticking to your sales mm. is really important. A lot of brands get um, almost like it comes across as almost desperate mm-hmm. when you just have constant sales or you're trying, because it works to do a sale, right? Mm. You don't want to train your audience to wait for a sale or devalue the product over time. The mm-hmm. brand value in the long run is much more important to maintain. And so being very picky and strategic about the types of discounts and promotions you're doing is important. For sure. Now let's get back to sort of packaging itself and sort of in the mm-hmm. Instagrammable packaging piece, because you know, when it comes to design or the the aesthetic or of a brand and the feel of the brand, which obviously has to be in alignment with their target audience, um, you know, trends come and go, you know, there's no secret there. And, you know, you develop a brand and you really hope that it can stay on point for a period of time before you need to reevaluate the aesthetic of the brand and, you know, reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when you're sitting down with a client and you are potentially discussing the brand for the very first time and how it's going to feel and the emotional response that it's going to provide or, you know, tease out um, with the consumer, where do you look for inspiration and how does that exercise sort of pan out? Yeah, well, definitely, you know, clients come with their specific vision for sure, mm. but we can help them niche down even further. Yeah. Um, and And I love that you talked about trends because it's true they come and go and there are a lot of um people that will follow a trend and think this is working i'm Mm going to copy it right Mm -hmm. that's not what we do at all and our brands are always original and so this means that we don't follow a trend we are very aware of trends like that's my whole life like what's trending (laughs) you know i'm very aware of it uh 
and what and why it works and things like that. Um, but none of our clients are going to be hopping on a trend. It's they're going to be leading and carving out their unique path, and we yep. want them to be leaders in their industry. And so, where we start actually is finding that vision. So, what are the unique differentiators of your product, and how can we highlight that? And then mm. also adding in the lifestyle side. Um, so, for example. If you have a product and it is gluten-free, allergen-free, it's sustainable, it's uh, everything trendy right now, it's body inclusive, whatever, mm-hmm. then, you know, great, good for you. But now you're not the first one to do it. You're not even the second. You're like the 28th, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's not what we lead with. Maybe it's a given and it's a part of your brand, but maybe it's not the first thing on the front part of your packaging and it's not the first thing we're amplifying in mm-hmm. your look and feel and vibe, let's mm-hmm. say. So, you know what is it that no one else is doing that you're doing? And that's really what we highlight. And so we do look at competitors, for example, we'll go through an exercise where we look at what are your competitors and this could be in direct competitors or even competitors that are outside of their industry that are doing something that's working really well. Mm. So, um, so yeah, that would be where we first start. So uh, uh, maybe an example of that would be like, you know, you have this granola bar that is peanut free, allergen free, everything. Mm-hmm. What aisle? do we target, right? Mm. So coming to conclusions like that through a few meetings of just deciding what are the key differentiators in your brand and then what aisle does that make sense? And so it's a, uh, is this going to be targeting athletes? Is it going to be, and, it, and is it going to be the only keto-friendly protein bar on the market or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Is it going to be targeting moms and getting packed in kids' lunch boxes? And that will really determine the look and feel, of course. Mm-hmm. And the strategy too, because if you're going in the um, in the parents' lunch boxes, you're going to go for that peanut-free allergen certification, or else yeah. you're not going to get in the lunch boxes. Yeah. And if you're going for the uh, athletic one and targeting athletes, then you want to get that keto-friendly certification, mm-hmm. or maybe you want to amplify how much proteins in it, or something like that. So um, that's kind of the first starting point to, in determining, like, uh, yeah, like what aisle are you going for, what lifestyle are you building. And, um, and that's how you create longevity down the line too. Mm. If you're not just building something because it's like, oh, right now pink is, pink is trending or pastels, even keto yeah. is trending. Mm. Um, that could be a great benefit if your product genuinely is like the leading keto brand. But if it's not, then let's find what makes you super unique so yep. that your brand pops off and creates its own category. If you can eliminate the competition mm. by highlighting your unique differentiator, then that's the very best. Oh, that's kind of like the ultimate goal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, creating a brand is so, I mean, it seems so easy when you can get onto Canva and you can see all of the brand kits. So you jump on Pinterest and you get all of that yeah. inspiration and you sort of got your pin board and, you know, I'm you sure a lot of people, them, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like you said, if you can look into other worlds, you know, or other industries and sort of draw inspiration from there and, you know, especially if I can imagine that if you're going to be the brand or the face of your brand and you're going to be out in front of it, there has to be an element of yeah. that brand being in alignment with who you are as a human. Totally. You know, it, it sort of needs to resonate. It needs to, you know, the business card that you pull out of your pocket and put into somebody's hand is a visual representation of who you are, all encapsulated with the product that you're selling and it all just needs to be in alignment. So Absolutely. there's so much that goes into it. So I can imagine, yeah, the... um 
you know, the market research that you do prior to actually sitting down with an agency to develop that brand would be just so critical and having a few variations of what that could potentially be. When you sit down and uh, you're sort of teasing this out, how many, um, you know, various uh, design options do you come up with for somebody to select? Like what's the actually, perfect two. number? Two. two. Yeah. Yeah, we do two and, uh, and really it could be one, but yeah. we like to do two. Um, yeah. But the, you know, I, I love what you're saying about, you know, the visual component of branding. And I think people forget that, you know, the strategy side. And um, and so I, I love to bring up the example of Nike and Lululemon. Yeah. Because honestly, they are selling the same product. Yeah. And it could be from the same factory. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but they're completely different brands yeah. and audiences. Mm -hmm. If you're going to it, Lululemon, sure, there's a look and feel that amplifies their brand. Yeah. But their brand truly is feeling comfortable in your own skin, that um, ideal lifestyle of going and getting your smoothie, dropping your kid off at daycare, going to yoga, and going to get brunch after with your girlfriends. Mm -hmm. um, it's about sport in a balanced way. And then Nike is just do it. Overcome what you never thought was possible. Um, they use all often the underdog, like Serena Williams, for example, to amplify their brand. That story of overcoming adversity mm. is key to the Nike brand. You are going to achieve, you're going to take sports seriously and you're going to push yourself and you're going to achieve what you never thought was possible before, right? Yeah. And so that's the core of both brands. And then, of course, they're visually represented to amplify that, right? Mm. So that's the brand, that's the niche, that's the market that they're filling. So I have both brands, right? Like I'll wear Lululemon when I go to yoga or when I want to look cute. And then I'll wear Nike when I want to get shit done. Get a yeah, huge workout I mean, in, you want right? to get after it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, and, and so that determines who they work with, who they collab yeah. with. It's like, it's like, what is your angle? Mm. And then, of course, the visuals want to amplify that. Mm. But that's the core of what we're really helping our clients with. And um, yeah, I'm sure that they see the stunning visuals are excited. Not to brag, but they look great. But yeah, but the yeah. but the but, yeah. the, uh, but the the other side of it is certainly extremely important. It's so subtle, people don't even notice sometimes, right? But yeah. it is very, very intentional. That's awesome. So we've talked about sort of developing a brand from scratch for a startup business, but mm. what about an established brand? They've been, you know, in the marketplace for you know, let's call it sort of the six to eight year mark. They know that they've you know potentially outgrown um you know the old aesthetic and feel that they've gotten they're ready to sort of target a new audience or a larger audience or potentially go from a local market to uh, either provincial sort of market size or even you know grow nationally and they recognize that they need to um spend some more time um you know mapping out their vision for not only the business but their, for their brand as well but there's a certain amount of equity in the brand that's already there and they don't want to lose that feel that they've already put so much time and energy into, but they know that they need to, yeah, reevaluate and grow it. Um, so, you know, for an established brand to stay relevant without, you know, diminishing their roots, what do you suggest? Well, for somebody like that, it depends on how big the pivot is. If mm. you're pivoting to like an entirely different market or you're going from big to small, you know, if you're, let's say big to small, so you have a really corporate identity, it's working, um, but you're realizing that's not working anymore. And we see a lot of potential in pivoting to like a smaller market. Yeah. Then you really want to get rid of that corporate feel. You actually want the opposite. So mm -hmm. in that case, that would be quite a big pivot and the visuals would change quite a bit and might even want to change the name. 
Um, it depends on it, it depends on the strategy you're going for. If this is something where you did it yourself or your cousin did it and you just like you, they did a logo and you're like, we just we have so many things like again, that granola bar example. Mm. Oh, my God. We are, you know, we have we're, we're just talking, talking, talking about all these benefits and mm-hmm. we're not seeing much growth. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we're seeing people like it. People are buying it because they like it and I give them a whole speech every time. But I just want people to get it from the start. I just want people to understand. And so that problem would be just easily solved by, you know, thinking, hey, we need to think about your strategy here. Mm-hmm. What are you leading with? What's the first, third, second, fourth thing people are understanding about your brand? Yeah. And how can we polish it so it looks really trustworthy? So that would be like kind of the two scenarios. And, and in that case, there may be a need to, you know, they're seeing some traction. So they can either, and this is up to the client, but, um, you know, there's two options where we can go completely new, refresh, just the same name, and we're going, you know, completely completely targeting what the audience you're going after. Hmm. Or we keep a little bit, and, you know, your audience is working, they like it. We're keeping it a little bit similar to what it was, and we're doing something like how Google would refresh their logo or Nike. But, you know, when Google and Nike do it, they have a core base brand in place. They're just mm. kind of making it look a little trendier or maybe, you know, they're not targeting a new audience. So if you're targeting a new audience, then you might want to pivot the design a bit more, for example. So mm-hmm. it depends on the strategy. If you're just polishing it up and wanting to do a little bit of a change because you're shifting slightly or you want to keep, let's say you're a youthful brand and you want to keep with looking hip and young mm. and, and stay, staying in, I guess, kind of thinking of trends, for example. Yeah. Um, but you're still leading the, paving the way with like your brand and your vision and, and what your, and your market um, positioning, but you want to just make the design a little bit tweaked, then that could be an option as well, just to like keep it new, um, be up and running with the times. But yeah, the biggest need for a rebrand is a change of strategy, or if you kind of did it yourself and it just it feels jumbled and you're explaining it too much, those would be mm. probably the two situations where would be super helpful. Got yeah, I can imagine that at times some people feel a little bit restrained by their brand. You know, mm-hmm. like they All feel the as if they're like pigeonholed and you're like, damn it, I really want to sort of like branch out, but it's going to be off brand and it's not going to make sense to people. And yeah, I would hate to feel sort of handcuffed. And some of the brands that I love most that are out there have got this sort of way about providing different personas Mm. all at the same time. And there's one in particular. So I don't know if you've noticed, but like coffee roasteries, coffee is like this really cool product out there. There's hundreds and thousands of different roasteries out there. And for some reason, I reckon I'm going to go so far as to say that 80% of the brands out there all feel exactly the same. Right. They, they haven't been able to differentiate themselves, but then there's sort of the 10% that have done an amazing job, potentially even leading the way. And they're the ones that, you know, everybody else is following, but then there are some brands out there and there's one back home in Melbourne where I come from called St. Ali and they've got their core brand and identity. But then from there, they've got like different personas. Like they've got this real sort of like cool sort of skater brand persona that they can sort of like throw out into the world. They've got um, this really clean, polished sort of like clinical feel that they can put out into the world and almost scientific lab sort of feel. They've got all of these different brands under the sub brand, but all called St. Ali. And I think that having something like that would be so much fun to work with because can you imagine just not feeling restrained by it all? And then the other value of it is that you're sort of reaching everybody. You're reaching all different types of personas 
all within the coffee drinking audience, which is basically everybody. And you're making everybody feel comfortable with who you are because you can sort of like hit, you can sort of target, you can throw this dart at this person. You can throw this dart at this person and everybody feels welcomed by you. I think that would be really cool to develop. Mm. Yeah. It depends on the brand, but that's everyone, everyone drinks coffee. So that's an awesome idea, really unique approach. And yeah, I mean, I would say that uh, I, I would definitely say that some, like a big common mistake when you're starting off is to, not niche at all and try to approach everyone yeah. just because yeah. um, a brand like that probably grow, grew from a niche to grow into more different. Oh, you're hundred percent right. Yeah. Yeah. People, yeah. Right. Yeah. And the reason yeah. why is because it just takes more manpower. That's all. So yeah. same with products, like you could have 10 great recipes for mm-hmm. a, for a, a brand, but it, we do recommend, you know, for someone who's new, like a, a if you're a veteran, it's different, but if it's your first business or your mm-hmm. second business, then mm-hmm. maybe, um, you know, start with three, yeah. start with five, yeah. just because there's so much that goes into even targeting that one group. 100%. Um, and then, yeah. And then definitely expand on your lines, expand on your color, expand on your messaging, try yeah. things out, experiment. Um, but they probably do still have like a fundamental vibe, which is maybe that they're, you know, a lifestyle focused coffee brand. And um, I don't know much about them, actually. Yeah, but, no, uh, but they probably do have a certain angle where they're like their whole maybe the brand is that they're like disruptors oriented. Right? Yeah, no, they're disruptors. They're, that's yeah. their brand. They just get out there and they're disruptors and they're proud of it. And sort of they've got yeah. the ability to play by their own rules and their brand sort of represents that, which is really cool. And so it is a fine line, isn't it? Because you're absolutely right. Like you want to be focused. You want to know exactly who you're targeting and you don't want to sort of veer from that. But then, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's a fine line, but if it's done Mm -hmm. really well and if it's like anything, if it's executed upon properly, Mm -hmm. I can imagine it having a lot of success out there, but then there's also some value in knowing exactly who you are and sticking to your lane as well. And, you know, not worrying Depends about what other people are doing. I know it's, yeah, it's yeah. a different story for everybody. If you're doing a bra, then, you know, you have to think about is this for women? And then if you can really niche down or even for what we do, right? Yeah. Marketing yep. agency. We yep. could we could technically serve everyone, yeah. but I don't know if we'd get as far as we have. Yeah. And so, you know, by having some kind of, and same with Lululemon, they have so mm. many different products, but they mm-hmm. have that specific target market and niche in mind. And yeah, but they still, there's so much, they're, I think if you just kind of focus in on something, then mm. you can actually um, build on it even more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, over time and, and come up with even more creative solutions for that one mm. um, category. But coffee, again, is like something that everyone drinks. So it's a little bit different of a kind of product. Um, yeah. But yeah, it depends on the product. But I, I know. Love, but I love that approach too. And I think it just takes maybe more manpower. So it mm-hmm. might be something to grow into is yeah. my recommendation. But like, yeah. Yeah, you want to, the only reason why I'd say even to launch with three products is just because there is a certain pace you want to achieve yeah. and there's a big learning curve. And yeah. so, yeah, but definitely as you expand, like, why not? The world's mm-hmm. your oyster. Target, experiment, mm. have fun, um, disrupt, love, love brands that disrupt, love brands that provoke a new thought or they're doing things a new different way so mm. that's super cool so there are some fundamentals that you shouldn't disrupt like you were just suggesting but then rules are there and you know rules are meant to be broken so what yeah, i don't sort even of... know what the rules are now to be yeah honest. i know that's what i'm like, saying these are, so... this is my advice from yeah. what i've seen because it's yeah. like a lot of work to be an entrepreneur yeah. but yeah i just mean like yeah. and we've worked with a lot of new ones right yeah so we've yeah. seen them kind of go like i want to approach everyone it's like that makes a lot of sense but mm. you have to kind of think a little bit of yeah. focusing because then you could th- you'll 
you'll be able to focus and then learn about yeah. them and be yeah. like an expert and then move on to something. And focusing on an audience is one thing, but you can also focus on a certain um, movement or lifestyle. Yeah. Also. yeah. Especially if you want to track the, you know, the analytics, it's just like any good scientific experiment. You want to keep all of the variables consistent and just change sure. one variable at a time. So you can actually yeah. see what impact that change has had. So to take Tim Ferriss's approach to everything that you do. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. That's a great yeah. approach. And I definitely, yeah. uh, I definitely see value of that too. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no rules anymore. I think yeah. it's, I think we've entered a new era. Everything's collapsing. Everything's changing. I know. But I definitely am seeing that you know, now, now more than ever, people are wanting to start their own thing. Yeah. Um, change, change the game, try and experiment. Yeah. You know, there's always something new, like TikTok comes up all mm -hmm. of a sudden, and mm -hmm. now we have to uh, factor that into the equation. So I think you really have to um, always be eager to change and switch your strategy. Mm. And uh, yeah, and there's, and, and yeah, there's only so much you can really plan yeah you know speaking of you know breaking the rules and i mean you've moved to an interesting place like austin is yeah, turning into the epicenter of where it's all happening right now like a lot of people are moving out of the states that they're in and moving to texas whether it's austin or different parts and i think that's really cool so you've landed in a in a place that is happening right now was that intentional to go to austin and oh, start a, a location of pilot, pivot and pilot there course yeah it's a it's been a lot of work about yeah. a year in the making yeah and, um yeah like all of our clients are um are product focused and yeah. so that's a lot of a numbers game yeah. and they just simply are more numbers so yeah. often or texas alone is the population of all of canada right it's insane so, isn't it yeah or yeah more, i can't remember i don't know I have to yeah look up well i know california's no, got more there's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in LA itself, there's the population of Australia living in LA, yeah. you know, which is hmm. nuts. So I'm not, yeah, I don't know. There's, so the the population of the here. states is insane. Yeah, it is. So even mm -hmm. so, even our clients here are wanting to launch to the states, right? So it's yeah. always been a thing. So we know yeah. we're very well versed in yeah. US regulations and all that stuff because most yeah. will either launch straight there or they'll launch in Canada first with a plan to go to the yeah. um, US. Uh, and so it was naturally something we needed to think about. Yeah. And uh, and then, yeah, Austin has just been growing, growing in this time, especially during the pandemic yeah. and bumping. And it is, I'm 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 meeting the coolest people. There's so yeah. many, it, it, it's just, and, and as an entrepreneur and a business owner, yeah. boy, is everyone like pro business. Like just yeah. everyone is so trying, trying new things, working so hard. I don't know. There's something about that American dream that's in those Americans, but yeah, especially like in a place like really Texas. Oh yeah. Really yeah. motivated people. So it's been yeah. awesome. Yeah. And, and, uh, a lot of really cool events and a lot, a lot of consumer, uh, po uh packaging focused yeah. events too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. But yeah, that was definitely intentional. There's, and, and, you know, we do work with startups, so yeah. the startup capital and that was very intentional as well because, you know, we can go and approach people and say, hey, your brand's not really there yet. Do you mm -hmm. want help? But mm. it's kind of insulting. It's not something that, that's not really our <laughs> You approach. suck and I'm the yeah, answer no, to, yeah, I'm to the solution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have to come to us, really. Yeah. I don't want to be like that. Yeah, right? no, I so, hear you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So with start being around startups was yeah. great. Being in that community. Say, yeah. hey, you don't have it yet. You need mm -hmm. it. And then it's not rude. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, um, the States has always been seen. So growing up in Australia, especially like I was born in 85. So growing up in the nineties, mm -hmm. 
you know, like the US, we all we had was, you know, a lot of US TV, highly influenced by the US culture. And then back then there was no internet. So there was a lag. Like we always got movies later. We always got their shoes later, the fashion, everything. Like you wanted a, you wanted music. Yeah. That music's been out already, or you had to order it in the States and you'd have to go into the CD shop and buy the CD and it would take time to arrive. And I remember your cool cousin from the States had all the Yeah. Yeah. Or (laughs) we went on a, a trip to Disneyland in 96. I was 12 years old. And I remember like everyone was like, oh, what movies did you watch on the plane? And, you know, what food did you eat? And what was Disneyland like? And we were bringing stuff back for everybody that you just couldn't get in Australia. And now it's sort of like everybody's all up to speed with everything. Like the internet sort of just changed the landscape. But I sort of feel that the US is always ahead of the curve when it comes to trends, I'll call it. So what are you sort of noticing in the startup world that you may not be seeing here in Vancouver or BC or, or Canada for that sake, especially in the sort of the food-based CBG world? Oh man. Well, you know, I think what is amazing about Canadian businesses is that everyone is very tactful and strategic, mm-hmm. but in the U S there's just so much more risk. People are willing to take that risk. They believe in their idea and they're just like, this is going to happen and I'm going to mm-hmm. work to make it happen. And so they put a lot more, um, they're, they're willing to do something really different, yeah. right? Whereas in Canada, I think we're a bit safer, um, which isn't a bad thing either. Uh, but that's something that I've definitely noticed as a change, a difference mm-hmm. is that they're like, hey, I have this, like, it's like coffee and it also has, uh, it also has uh, cannabis in it. And yeah. it also CBD. is like yeah. an energy booster because the caffeine's concentrated and like people yeah. and, it, and it's great flavored and you're like okay I mean that's not really I don't know I'm giving a bad example I know what I'm you mean saying. Yeah, it'll yeah. be something that's like crazy and then you're like okay how is it going have you done your market research yeah yeah I know and they're like what's that uh and yeah. <laughs> so like, they go for it and then they're like yeah it's popping off everyone's you know P. Diddy's endorsing it all that stuff yeah. you're like okay cool so I don't know it just seems like they're willing to be like, I want to be doing something yeah. wacky and cool. And there's something about that about Texas too. Like everyone's yeah. a weirdo and I love it because I'm a weirdo. And yeah, it's just a completely, uh, a, a lot of, a lot of unique, uh, unique brands popping up. That's awesome. I feel like a lot of thought leaders are heading to the States as well. You know, obviously yeah. right. Rogan's located himself. Uh, sorry. In yeah. Austin, like Rogan's in Austin. Now you've yeah. got, um, oh man, uh, Lex Friedman is based in Austin. You've got Elon yeah. Musk, like a lot of big names are heading to Austin because of mm-hmm. the sort of the climate that's, that's there, you know, the political yeah. climate of sort of like being in a red state, but a sort of a blue city yet. It's yeah. sort of very, very center, which is yeah. sort of what I love to hear about Austin it's right so now. Centered. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. Yeah. And, and that is so nice and so refreshing. Mm. I mean, I, because I'm a comedian too, like mm-hmm. I, I really, and my fiance as well, we both do stand up, And so yeah. that's another piece too, that we're yeah. like, that just was a perfect, um, yeah. like win-win situation, Yeah, but it's, it's sometimes a bit uh, difficult in Vancouver yeah. to say everything just yeah. like it is. Um, yeah. I feel like, I don't know, there's some something something there, whereas in Austin, it is a bit refreshing because there are people um, from both sides and yeah. they have to listen to each other and everyone's kind of laughs things off a little bit easier. Yeah. But not to say that that doesn't happen in Vancouver either. We've had great time, um, yeah. but there's just... I mean, the, yeah, there's just something really special about having such like a mix, uh, mm. especially in this type of time, like mm-hmm. everyone's so divided. Yeah. So it's been kind of cool to see people who are like, I'm from California and I've learned something by being here. Yeah. I'm from 
you know, outside of Texas and moving to Austin, I've learned something here. Yeah. People yeah. just kind of like deal with everyone's different opinions, which yeah. is kind of cool. Um, yeah. And maybe that's why they're willing to take more risks. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I can't speak for everybody down there and I know that there is a lot of divide right now, which is right. scary and sad to me. Like I, yeah. it makes me really sad to sort of see what's going on down in the States. So like, there's an element of like compassion and understanding that like, holy shit, there's something brewing down there. But then at the same time, you see what's going on in Austin, you are like, you know what, everybody's coming together because they, they don't want to see this divide and they understand that everybody down there, at the the end of the day, you're fundamentally an American, you know, and whatever that means to you. And I would like to know sort of like this divide, is it, is it to the degree that we're hearing or is it being amplified by, you know, the media and social media? Like, what are your thoughts living down there as well? Is it something that you feel every day or is it, is it only because it's, it's in our ears? Like we listen to podcasts and we're hearing about it. Like, what do you think? Well, people do bring it up right away. Like, do they? Um, yeah. Well, like right away people, I'll be like, why did you move here? And people yeah. say freedom or they'll say, um, because I, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I moved to America and yeah. I want to like build my business. Um, yeah. A lot of people are motivated by that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so the conversation does revolve around that right away where people are like, I want, like, I am, an, like people have said that to me too. They're like, I am an American. Yeah. Even though my family immigrated here and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a different culture than Canada too. Yeah. Right? In Canada, you, even if you're the fourth or fifth um, wave of person here, you're whatever, you're from wherever, right? Yeah. You're not, Canadian yeah so that's something that's kind of interesting right yeah it's a different, different approach in America too yeah but they do reference that kind of stuff and you hear let's go Brandon all that stuff or you hear yeah, you know, yeah. BLM or you see a yeah. sign yeah. so it's there you know there are those conversations and things happening yeah. and people say it but it's definitely not Twitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's yeah. definitely not Twitter yeah. when you're in front of someone so toxic. And you can have a conversation with I somebody know. on a completely different level than you yeah. and you're still having a good time and you can share a beer yeah but yeah. like um yeah definitely in definitely in Twitter world and online is is like an amplified crazy version mm-hmm. for sure it's not real world yeah it's not no. real life but it's certainly I think everybody's thinking about all these topics and having, yeah. I feel like it, we're in a situation right now where all of our systems and structures and everything's being questioned and mm-hmm. re- revised right now and like like earlier we were saying no rules right it's yeah it's, it, there's a new world being and, and it's really about authenticity it's about mm-hmm. listening the only way we're going to get through it is by having empathy and understanding yeah different and conversation perspectives. Yeah. yeah villainizing one side or yeah and, or even having the side, that's the problem is that the internet sides, sides yeah. right? Yeah. So I don't think that that's as prevalent there, but yeah, certainly something on people's minds. I know. It's scary, we're living it? in right now. Yeah. yeah interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, like I'm a dad, I'm a parent and yeah. my concern for the future is real. Like I genuinely think about sure. what kind of future yeah. are we creating for our kids? And I sort of, mm-hmm. it concerns me a lot, you know, and if there's one thing that keeps yeah, me up right. at night, it's that it's like, what kind of world are we bringing our kids into? And, you know, I really have a lot of hope for the future. Like I'm positive that it's going to be worked out. And, and, and a lot of people have said it, like, these aren't my thoughts, but like, you know, what the time and the energy and the way that we raise our kids and the kind of little humans that we will create now will be the change that we want to see in the future. It may not be us that makes the change because, you know, it takes time, but, you know, future generations will be able to get a grip on it. Well, you're probably um, an outstanding dad. I mean, it's, that's all that it matters. I think that's one of the biggest. Yeah. Things. I know that's kind of like, we're getting really big here, but yeah. like, 
I agree that, you know, the, the fundamental thing is yeah. that kids are, have good parents. Yeah. And, and yeah. they have somebody that loves them. And yep. that's probably going to solve a lot of I agree. problems. So yeah. you're doing a big, it is a big role what you're doing. Yeah. So like, that's sort of my thought, like spend all of your time and energy raising your kids, you know, with mm. love and compassion. And, you know, I'm so in favor of having conversation with them, like, you know, and talking yeah. to them about everything and, and sort of giving them the tools to have tough skin and understand that if somebody says something to them and they may not agree with it, it's not the personal attack on them. Like they don't have to, they water off a duck's back, you know? Um, but with all of that said, I'd like to tie it back into business as well. Like sure. the businesses that you're all creating now are having an impact on the culture and, you know, the lives yeah. that we all lead now. And I know that we're all trying to make, you know, great decisions, whether they're, you know, sustainability mandates that you're building into your business so that, you know, not only you're doing um, the right thing by the environment around you, but so that your consumers have great options. You know, they don't have, you know, one or two options out there that they're sort of limited by. They've got the choice and freedom to choose a brand and a product that, you know, resonates with them and their sort mm -hmm. of you know their own sort of um beliefs however i feel that if you can um you know lead a business whether it's creating the culture within your organization and leading with love and compassion and understanding and sort of building that into the dna of your business it's only going to spill out into the world around you and i think that that's going to resonate with a lot of people and you're going to see success in your business as well but obviously it all does start yeah. with a great product it all yeah. does start with consistency in the products and a great marketing campaign so that everybody can hear about it and learn about it and know about it. But then at the end of the day, the one thing that is the real indicator of a successful business is that repeat customer, like you just suggested. So I love that you said repeat customer. And the reason why is, is because yeah. that is it. And that yeah. should be the goal. I completely agree. And it should not be finances. And I know that sounds crazy. Yeah but the finances will come. I promise you, if you focus on the things that you just said, yep. if you focus on filling a gap in the market, yep. building a quality product and having that as your fundamental goal, the financials will come. If you're just thinking this is something that's trending, that'll mm -hmm. make a quick buck. Mm -hmm. I can see through it. You're not going to be a client of ours, but you're also not going to have the right mindset. Yep. And there's a lot of turbulence that comes with a business. So if you don't have a vision that's based on creating something that's going to be helpful in the world, then you're, or something new, yeah. something good, yeah. um, then it's, yeah, it's not going to work out. So think about the repeat customer. Yeah. Think about a happy customer. How can, yeah. and that's really should be the priority. And then everything else will come from there. Um, and, and don't, uh, and, and, and don't worry, like your product doesn't have to be for everyone. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I mean, something else I kind of was thinking about when you're talking is that, you know, you shouldn't be, I will not, this is just my personal opinion. Yep. You can do a business however you want, but I think that in general, it's better to, if you're niching, it can't be a, haha, we're better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're better. You're, you're smarter for choosing us than they all suck. You can say you're smart for choosing us, but not like they all, the rest suck. Yeah. Or anything like yeah. I think it's good to always approach it from a way where it's like positive and it's not putting down other brands or other options. Yeah. Instead being an amplifying like why your option is the best for that person. Yeah. Um, you're going to go a lot farther. Yeah. I and, hear, yeah. and that's because you're not going to be like, what if that other brand that you're crap, like make, talking crap about, or mm -hmm. even just slightly snubbing that, that that's not the right approach because they could succeed later and it could bite you in the butt or you could collaborate later. Like, um, mm -hmm. I think it's about being really authentic and yep. ensuring that you're, um, you're, you're 
you're creating something positive. And then that's one of the two ways that I would do that. So. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not going to go woo-woo on everybody, but you got to put the right vibration out into the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I guess the other thing as well is being patient. You know, like a lot of people want to mm-hmm. see things take off really, really quickly. And I'm actually really excited. This is I'm, the constant sales. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, yeah. like I'm mm-hmm. actually really excited. I'm interviewing Susie York from Good Fats coming up. <gasps> yeah, awesome. I know. And she's oh, grown a hundred million dollar awesome. business. And yes. what a oh, success what a story. <clears throat> you know, she's a bit of a unicorn out there and she's done it in a relatively short amount of time. And these things don't happen by accident. So I'm really oh. looking forward to sort of interviewing her and dissecting it's her business. Resilience. And, yeah, resilience and getting... Um, you know, getting the meat and potatoes of her story out um, to all of the listeners so that they can learn from her successes and failures as well, because everybody's got the dream of, you know, building that hundred million dollar business, but Mm -hmm. you know, these things don't happen overnight. And um, so patience leading, leading with your heart, putting out the right vibe into the world. And I think you'll see a lot of success, but um, I've got one more question for you. If we're to fast forward a year from now, and you could say to me that you have had your best year ever, what is it that you will have accomplished? We would have launched 16 new brands and they'd all be cool Mm -hmm. and they would all be growing their following as well as getting into retail locations. We'd see them in Nordstrom, in uh, Whole Foods, everywhere across. And some of our clients are already in there, but we want to get them more in there. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, And then on our personal end, I would love to have more than 60 subscribers on our YouTube channel that'd be cool so yeah. have like some nice but maybe be monetized for that and have help people with that it's definitely like a free resource that more and more people are um getting excited about and seeing so we just started that but that would be great in 12 months to see that really pop off and uh yeah living in Austin uh, speaking at cool events meeting a lot of people working yep. with working with awesome entrepreneurs I mean it's it's kind of started now but the yeah, the goal is that just everyone we work with is super cool and, yeah. and fun and we have a great uh, great relationship with them and we see, yeah, we, we shout on their success. So yeah, we can, or cheer on their success. Sorry, that's the word, but yeah. Bring super, it on. Yeah, that's what I would see. So. <laughs> well, very good. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing how the next 12 months go for you. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot and I know that the listeners have as well. So yeah, thank you very much, Rebecca. Thanks for having me and good luck with everything. It's an awesome podcast and you're great. So let's stay in touch. Cheers. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into today's episode. Before we do leave though, I'd just like to thank our show sponsor, Food Pack. And I would also love to hear from you. So please feel free to shoot me an email at hayden at thepackofyourpodcast.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Hayden Thompson, and that's T-H-O-M-S-O-N. And last of all, you could also find me on Instagram. Thanks again, and see you next week.